All right, on this episode, first episode of End of the Bench Podcast, right. we're talking World Series, Red Sox win it, unfortunately. We'll talk some NFL games. Todd Gurley not really liked in, in the in the gambler's perspective. And we have an interview with SB Nation radio host and a friend of ours, Correct. Jake Asman. He'll be on our second part of our show. And we'll talk about some funny... Some funny, cool segments that we we uh, we kind of we brought back from our old days at uh, Sports on the Go One. So, uh, all right, let's get started. Welcome to the End of the Bench podcast. Today is Tuesday, October thirtieth, and we're officially podcasters. How do you feel, Liam? Very excited, Taylor. We got Taylor and myself, Liam Murphy, on the mic. We got Stoney back there on the sticks. What up, what up? His name's Austin Murado, real name, but we have, how many nicknames do you got? There's a couple. What do you got? DJ Stonecat. You have D, you have Stone. Stonecat alone. Stonecat. I call him like Stoney Baloney once in a Twitch while. Twitch Stoney. Twitch.tv forward slash Twitch Stoney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch Shameless Twitch. plug. Watch the Twitch. Switch. <laughs> it's kind of whack, but. All right. <laughs> let's, get in, let's get into the stuff that went on. In the sports world, in the last few days, we're gonna talk. We're gonna kick it off with the World Series. Unfortunately, coming from two Yankee fans, the Red Sox did not end up winning the, the World Series four games to one. Yeah, and we don't have to get convinced that Chris Sale is a savage. This guy came in after he's having some shoulder issues throughout the whole season. Yeah, yeah his in, velocity was down for a while. Yeah, but dude, he he was shoving. He comes I, when I saw him getting loose in the pen, and, and Buck and Smalls are talking. I'm like, all right, this game's a wrap. Yeah, it's over. Absolute wrap. He comes in, strikes out the side, and ironically enough, it's Manny Machado who's ending, who's the last batter of the game. Yep. Who's talked shit all postseason. I mean, I wouldn't say called talking shit, but he's he's been the the he- enemy of baseball. This, this postseason. He got exposed for the asshole that he is. Oh, yeah. He was just hiding in the AL East with the, you know, crappy Baltimore Orioles forever. Now he gets, gets into the big time in L.A., and now everyone around the world knows. I mean, but he had, he's had the history with, with the – when he was playing with the Orioles and the Orioles-Red Sox. Yeah they, yeah, they definitely had some heated times, but I feel like it's more pronounced and just, like, generally well-known that Machado's an asshole. And he – that strikeout against against him when Sale hits that slider down and in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably the dirtiest pitch I've ever seen in my entire life. There's one. There's one at bat that Sale when he was on the White Sox, he struck out Torrey Hunter when he was on the when Hunter was on the yeah. Tigers. I don't know why. It's in my brain forever. He threw a slider just like that down and into his ankle. Yep. Hunter's right-handed hitter struck him out, and Hunter looked back at Sale and just started laughing because he's like. Ridiculous! Yeah, how, you how in the that? world do you throw a pitch like that? Yeah. And Sale did that against Machado. against Machado. But the, the bat before Hernandez struck out like he was he was like crossed up. He crossed up himself. But Red Sox world champions David Price. He uh, he shut all the haters up. Which I think you, are you were you a hater? I mean, I was a definite hater because the guy absolutely was terrible in the postseason. Um, I was just a hater just because I hated him with the Rays. I didn't like him much with the Tigers. Obviously, I hate him with the Red Sox. He, His whole career, he showed he couldn't do anything 
in the playoffs. But now you see, once he gets into that championship round, and obviously the World <laughs> Series, the first he, round he, can't do. He doesn't do he, anything. Yeah, he knows how to. I. I don't know. He needs that. He needs that buy. He needs that. Bro, he won two out of the, the four wins. He's he's won he won two games in this in the World Series. He struck out five, went seven innings, allowed one earned run. Was that leadoff run by David Freeze, which was like, of course, David Freeze is going to contribute somehow in the postseason World Series. Yeah, but you put you put Price in the divisional series. He can't he can't sniff a win. No, and that one clip, that GIF now, that's like of him like rotating, uh, rotating in and out. Not, rot- not rotating when he's like cleaning the bullpen. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bounds and stuff yep. like that. And of course, everyone's like, "This is the only thing he's contributed to the postseason." <laughs> and now he shut up everybody. And watching, you know what? There's one guy who I'm a fan of is Jared Carabas on Barstool, and he was okay. huge Red Sox. He's a huge Red Sox guy. And watching him actually like super happy, like crying. I hated the Red Sox at one, but like I still hate the Red Sox. I hate him. I hate him too. No, don't get me wrong. I'm just happy for him that like he's. He, that's all he does. He lives, breathes this shit. Yeah. And like you can see how dedicated he is. But uh, the Red Sox can go fuck themselves because I'm so Facts. mad. And also Kershaw. Talk about Kershaw, too. The guy can't sniff a victory in the postseason. He's 0-2 in this World Series. He, I saw a stat last night. His career ERA for regular season was like a 2.4. Like I think 2.39 to be exact. Yeah. And in the playoffs, it ballooned like two full points. 7-3-6 this year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, How one of the greatest pitchers of all time can suck ass in the playoffs. <laughs> for, Honestly, that's for, what it is. You can't, yeah, absolutely. First ball Hall of Famer, by the way. Yeah, oh, easily. Not even a question. So, I guess we... Do we, should we even talk about sell, sales belly button situation thing? I know that's kind of old. I just think he went straight from being mocked to after everything came out, after they won the World Series, after all of his teammates talked about his speech in the dugout. He went zero to hero. So obviously everyone knows Chris Sale. Whether it was true or not true, me and Taylor have you know kind of different beliefs on that. He said he went to the hospital because he had a belly button ring and it got infected. It people have been saying it's a stomach issue. It was a whole controversy. Twitter was blowing up everything. But now he goes from that to having an insane dugout speech in Game Four, which he ramps up the whole team. He gets on the offensive ass. And they come out, score nine runs, and win nine four. I wish I really want to know what he said because I remember watching on the on the post game, yep. and Sale was on the the Fox Fox Sports uh, yeah. desk, and Big Poppy was like, "What you know?" Everyone's asking, "What did you say?" And of course, he has little kids there, and, he, and of course, on TV. Yep. But you know, he's cursing. He's M, he's MF and everybody. Oh, you can for sure. Get on their ass. I mean, I don't even know like when Hunter Pence on the, the Giants or whatever yep. they were in the World Series. He hyped the fuck out of them. Yeah. During a couple innings prior to them winning, it's like get your act together. Mm-hmm. We know we can kick the the Royals' ass. We know we can beat the, the Rangers wherever the time he was playing. Yeah, whatever yeah. you know what I mean. But he, uh, that's what Sale was doing, and the fact that he was just in the dugout not pitching. Great. And I also one more point before we leave before we change our next subject. Nathan Uvaldi, I don't know how he has a shoulder anymore. Bro, Dude, I hate that guy. I despise <laughs> that guy. Oh my Why? god. He was always decent with the Yankees, and they let him go. And of course, he had TJ surgery, and then he yeah. But I mean, after the surgery, they just let him go. And of course, the Red Sox sign him, and he shoves for them the whole, whole season, all playoffs. And like you said, his arm should fall off. He's throwing a hundred constantly, seventy and pitches. And he was game. warming up in Game Five. In yeah, the pen. after he threw ninety-seven pitches the night before. 
Dude, it was like he. I mean, Porcello said he was the, the the best pitch performance he's ever seen, which I think it's it's up there for me. I mean, Bumgarner in the postseason oh, that one year. Sure. I mean, yeah, his yeah. whole career. He's notorious for it. Yeah. Right, but the fact that he came out of the pen and, and did six innings out of the bullpen. Disgusting. And it's unfortunate he let out that home run. Like it almost doesn't over. I think nobody will. I mean, people will remember this eighteen inning game, yeah, one of oh, the yeah. best postseason games ever. Yep. But. People remember that he was throwing 100 miles an hour, 100 pitches in the 18th inning. Yep. And shoving, and then he's like, "I need, I could pitch again if you need me to." Savage. Absolutely savage. Straight savage. Right. I hate him, but he's he's boss, and but he showed it. But what is not a surprise? Not, I mean, not a surprise. More of a savage mode by the Browns. I, I, think, I think not a surprise at all. I think everyone in America saw this coming like a year and a half ago. So the Browns finally, finally. I'm gonna say it one more time. Finally, fire Hugh Jackson. Jump in that league, Hugh. Dude, it's like it's what was what was this record? Three thirty four one. All right. Yeah, uh, the worst ever of, of someone who's coached like I think forty games or under. Yeah, it's it's somewhere around there. But the the fact is that you say he was three thirty five and one. Yeah, he's really bad. Let me dude. do some quick math. For but he's guys. he's got two two wins this season. So yeah, he won he won in his first year. Last year he went zero and sixteen. Oh yes, 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 yes. And then he has two wins this year. And he's and he's got a nice two thirty seven and one record over the last you know two and a half seasons. That's wild. Not so good. Not good at all. And the fact that it's because you got to think like here, I think Jimmy Haslam was the Browns owner. Yep. And I think a lot of I mean, well for myself I said. You got You can't fire Hugh Jackson because like the team he's got. He came in when, when when Manziel was quarterback. No disrespect to Manziel. I like who he, the guy in who he is now. But as a football player in the NFL, he was not great. No. But the fact that he had all these guys, no, there was no real discipline, and he just kind of fell into this situation where I got to deal with a bunch of these scrub players and try winning some ball games, and he didn't. And but then but now this year he's this is the best team he's had. Yeah. Got Mayfield. Oh, yeah. They've got Chubb. Uh, they got Jarvis Landry now. They got rid of Josh Gordon. Got rid of Josh Gordon. Well, I love how we got to see the, the early on feud between him and Todd Haley during Hard Knocks. Oh, that one scene when Hugh's standing up there, you know, sitting in front of the room, sitting in front of all the coordinators, yeah. and he's like, this is my team. Like, you've been talking to Todd Haley. You've been over here. Yeah. But it's my team, so we're doing our. And Haley just takes off his hat, puts it on the table, and he looks like he wants to strangle Hugh Jackson. But he knows he can't do nothing about it. Well, he just got fired too. Well, I I really don't like Todd Haley. I think he's a fucking dick, to be honest with you. I think he has. I think he's a good play caller though. But also, he was with the Steelers, who had, and one of the probably the one of the best quarterback, running back, wide, wide receiver, receiver trios of all time. Right, and all those are egos. All three of those. Oh guys. yeah. And Spe- Todd- Speaking of the Steelers, a little side note here. Each of the Browns' past six head coaches were fired after that season's second game against the Steelers. Yes, that's not that wild. That's pretty wild. It's weird. So in 2008, 2010, 2012, 2013, 2015, and 2018, all of this this year it was Week Eight. Every other year prior to that was Week Seventeen after they played the Steelers. That's that's, pr- that's just like crazy. A, okay, that's Dude, just a look, weird. Look at this guy Stone coming in with the nice stat. Yeah, you I, know, like, pull out of his ass. I'm doing my research. All right, wow, look at that. That's pretty wild, though. 
All right, so Hugh Jackson out, Todd Haley out. You got Greg Williams. I am a huge Greg Williams fan because yeah, well, even after the whole Saints bounty gate. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm a, I became a kind of a fan this season because of how much of an asshole he is too. But yeah. like, you can watching him, he has like no voice and he's screaming all the time. Oh, he hates kickers. Absolutely, <laughs> but the the thing is, is that you know I think. Uh, Jimmy Haslam even said, and also Dorsey talked about if, if he's going to be the, the coach of the future. And, yep. You know, they're going to definitely give him a possibility. But I think Greg Williams call, being the coach, I know that he's not going to call the offensive plays. Yeah, he's primarily defense. Right. Yeah. I just think it's going to be an even bigger shit show than it was before. Because Greg Williams, I think, actually is clinically like a psychopath. Yeah. But I could see that. Do you see, and, and this is actually read this before don't know where i read it forgot where i read it this is mayfield's fifth coach since high school that's not good i think that's pretty weird oh i mean that's definitely weird i mean high school then he went to tech Tech oh you know what i forgot about him going to tech and then there were two uh two uh changes at ou yeah wow that's pretty crazy yeah all right let's segue to another firing in cleveland a little off we'll get back to football in a second okay Ty Lue of the Cleveland Cavs. He's he got fired. I don't know what was Were more disrespectful, surprised? him getting fired or AI stepping over him. We're gonna have to talk about that. Have a little debate. But were you surprised about that? This firing, zero and six. I don't look. Love's gonna be out a couple months. Who knows how many months he's out? I was surprised. I thought they'd give him a little leeway since LeBron left and kind of see what he could do with this young team. Well, young and old team. Obviously, they have some young guys like Colin Sexton in there. But then you, again, you have Kyle Korver who is. You know, ancient. A- ancient is right for. Hey, don't get me wrong. Guy shoots threes like crazy. But oh, he, yeah, he uh, he kills it. But I can remember him being around since. I don't know. I started getting into basketball, which was a long time ago. Right. But not good for Cleveland coaches right now. Yeah, Cleveland again is not in the. They they just they can't catch a break. The Browns suck. Cleveland the Indian not the Indians can't win. No, they're a good good ball club. They can't win the, the big one. I mean, the Cavs are now going to be really bad for a long time. But we were just talking about this before we went on. You know, LeBron, all right, it's pretty obvious he got David Bly fired. Yep. Pretty obvious, right? So then Luke comes in. It's really like it shows how much LeBron can change a team where he leaves and the team is automatically terrible. Yeah, that's true. And, and, but the team, I mean, last year's last year's Cavs team was what, the worst team he's been on? Uh... Besides his first season. Besides his first season. Yeah. You saw all the ups and downs. I mean, they got oh, to the finals, sure. but it was clearly on LeBron's On his back. back. Yeah, yeah, Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, not a good, uh, definitely not good for the, the for the Cleveland sports. Definitely he's, not. He's 28th in win percentage as a Cleveland Cavaliers coach. Of all the is, Cavs is that, coaches? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, that's not all Cleveland. Out of, this list looks like it's everybody in the league. He's 28th. What? Of all the current head coaches? Uh, no, this isn't current. This is just, this looks like, this is just based on win percentage, and there's a whole bunch of random years in here. You got Phil Jackson at the top. You know yeah. what, I get, that kind of does make sense, because when the Cavs had LeBron and Ty Lue, they were winning like at least 50 games a year, right? He was 128 and 83. Wait, what? Is, uh, yeah, between 2016 and 2019. He was one twenty eight and eighty three. All right, so 
not I guess not bad, but that's why he had LeBron. Now that he doesn't have LeBron, he doesn't have that staying power or anyone there to be like, hey, get, like leave him on a little. Well, let's talk about Larry Drew too, because like he is, he doesn't want that job. He's staying as far away that as possible. But why though? He's gonna make a little more money, right? They're try, I think they're trying to renegotiate his contract for yeah. for next season. But they the the the, the Cavs need a coach. They need a coach to coach tomorrow. They don't have one, and he has to do it. Trying right? to fill some seats. Oh. Trying to get some fan interest. A little J.R. Smith player coach. Now, who else Who else would be better to be a player coach than J.R. Smith? You see him, like, has no shirt on, just, like, coaching, and then he's just, like, call, he, like he calls to the bench, like, <laughs> I'm going to go in. You have J.R. putting up 33s a game. He'd run every play to himself. No, he'd play every single minute. And oh, yell yeah. at everybody on the on like when it, he'll call a timeout and then he'll just like scream at everybody like he'll he'll like get the clipboard come back in right in plays. I don't even think he knows what a play looks like. I'm clearly Man, from, I... <laughs> clearly from the NBA Finals. It was a game uh, one, right? Yeah, that was that was rough. I, re- I read yeah. that oh, stat that off wrong. The stat was here's every coach to win at least sixty percent of his games on a job and get fired. Kind of an odd statistic. Yeah, you didn't. I that like wasn't that. the no, first no, time. No, I didn't read. I didn't read deeply into right, it. I like those odd stats. Yeah, that's stone. That's stone with stats. You know, stone with the stats. Ooh, look at that. I'm just Invent trying to new shit right there. I'm trying just to trying to idea. make conversation over here, man. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but from one bad team to another, oh, we're going back to started. our G-men. If you guys ever listened to our radio show back in like last and the last NFL season. Liam knows I went on a huge rant about Ben McAdoo and how he should get fired and never should coach again. Yeah. And I went absolutely I went a little a little off the rails. As I would say so. Yeah. Was it a little aggressive? A little aggressive. But this year, I think Pat Shermer he's got I think he's got a little more talent than last year. I mean Saquon Barkley is is gonna be I think it was he's a great stud. pick. Absolute yeah. stud. People are saying, I oh, wish the Giants should have drafted uh quarterback. Quarterback should have been yeah. Darnold or should have been Mayfield, whatever. I think drafting a running back was a great, great addition for this team. But they're just not clicking on all cylinders. They're now 1-7. They lost to the Redskins 20-13 to last week. I mean, Alex Smith couldn't have had an, any more Alex Smith games. Such a freaking average game. 178 yards. And one touchdown. But it's, you got Adrian Peterson out there, who's 34, 35 years old, looking like a freaking workhorse. Like, says, this back, is you know... Five years ago, playing with the Vikings. This is two, the second hundred yard plus game, and he has two ninety. There's one ninety four and one ninety nine yard game. So yep. the guy is reinventing He's the game it. of running backs, being a running back. I mean, for the first three quarters, he was just straight up running through people, like running through them like a wall, just running through people. And then he waits till they get a little tired, get beat up, and then fourth quarter, does his elusiveness, remember, slides right in. The end zone. I remember we talked about for just about every show. Every show that I came back, for, like every Monday, we talked about football, right? Yeah. And then we would kick off Wednesday and talk about football too and our picks and stuff like that. But we always said that Eli, it's not Eli's fault. It's the offensive line. It's Eli's fault now. It's Eli's fault now. I mean, all, all last year, I defended Eli. I know you saying did. It's the Giants' offensive line. Put the offensive line. Eli Manning looks like a lost puppy out there. Like, <laughs> Honestly, he, he, this is horrible. He looks like an abused dog. You just put him out there, and he's just waiting to get hit. Every time the rush comes, he's waiting to get hit. And what rush gets within five feet of him, he just turtles on the floor. Yeah. Just boom. I mean, it's look, over. he's killing he, the play. It's the old, there's, look at all the mobile quarterbacks now. All the new draft classes, everybody that's coming out of the draft now can run the ball. Some, some sort of running, right? Who's the yeah. last part of the generation where it's more pocket passers? It's what, 
rivers. Big Ben can run once he can a blue even, moon. He, yeah. But, but like the big, big quarterbacks, big shoulder pads, yep. Eli, Philip Rivers, uh, and, and Big Ben, that's all I really can think of. And Flacco, I, mean, I guess he can run a little bit. A yeah, little yeah bit. he can do a little. But like Pat Mahomes, and even when, um, what's his name, uh, Rams. Oh, Jared Rams. Goff. Golf. No, I wasn't going to say what's going to have. Um, Jackson. Oh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson on the yeah. right. Oh, yeah. He, like he can that, run kind all of, the that kind of new generation of More quarterbacks. More like a college quarterback. Yeah. You can throw from the pocket, but running's a decent part of your game. And Eli got sacked seven times. It's like he could, he was, when he was running out of the pocket, he, first of all, he's slow as shit, by the way. Oh. He is slow as shit. I think we could beat him in a 40. You tie us together and we'll beat him in a 40. You think so? I, I guarantee you. Let's. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do that. We're gonna do I that. Wanna, I'll we're find out get... his forty-yard dash. I'm gonna strap up your legs like we used to do back in elementary school on field day. Yeah, the three. What was it? Three-leg race. The three-legged race, and we're gonna we're gonna go down to a football field or something. That we're gonna time you. All right, that's fine. We're making that How happen. How much? You guys actually think you let me see, let me see, let me find out what his forty-yard is right yeah, now. Yeah, look at what his forty-yard dash is from like combine. Okay. Combine forty yard dash. Oh God, dude! I that'd be first of all, that is fantastic content. By the way, that is that is some good content. Fantastic. Content. All right. While Stone's looking for uh, you know, 40. Eli's forty time, let's move on to a game in which we saw a team a team use three quarterbacks in one play. That dude, was the Saints. That stat when you told me that before before the show started, that was yep. pretty dope. Yeah. So the Saints roll out of play with Drew Brees, Taysom Hill. And Teddy Bridgewater all out at once. Taysom Hill, who's out of BYU, he's kind of honestly he reminds me of like a fullback. They just stick him in there. He does a little special special teams kick returning, makes some passes, runs some dives. Yeah, a little wildcat. They had him under center, Bridgewater out wide right, and Breeze out wide left. Nothing came into play. They didn't gain so any weird. yards. But what do you think of Sean Payton bringing in all these quarterbacks to his first Bell Hall of Famer? And just, you know, kick him out of the pocket and make him well, do some other things. I think Hill's a guy. I mean, yeah, he had one pass on, on Sunday for 44 yards, but I feel like he his strictly his game is going to be the kind of the wildcat running special kind of plays. Yeah. I think I think people should not be overblown by that. I, I didn't even think about this topic until, until you started saying it. But Bridgewater, nice back with quarterback. But this this Saints team, I mean, we, we saw the first couple of weeks that we were like, is this team going like, to actually compete this year? They're fucking unreal. Bro, you know I love their defense. They got a ton of Buckeyes on that defense. Oh, right, let's just let's clarify that real fast. So this guy over here is a Buckeye fan, and I'm Oklahoma Sooner fan. Yes, they played each other the past couple of years. We have we've settled some bets here and there. We did settle some bets. But we will be talking about college football eventually. The next, probably on Friday we'll talk some college football. Yeah, for sure. But I hate the fucking Buckeyes. I'm gonna say it to the camera. I hate Ohio State. I hate Ohio State because I just don't I don't like how they I don't like they run their shit there. Um, not a supporter of Urban. I know you're not. Uh, that's true. I don't support him. But you support the Buckeyes. Yeah, of course. I got it. So Saints. Eli Let's Apple. Let's Saints. You want to know what this 40 yard is? Oh, you got it? You got it? 40 yards? 4.92 seconds. Ooh, I think we we have a good shot of beating that, bro. This says, this says it's BS. That's what. That's. Where's your source? This is off SeekEek. They have like a whole big thing on every like slow quarterback. Go on NFL.com and you can see his forty maybe. All right, All right. so that's a four nine. But he says he leaves. It says he leaves his older brother in the dust. 
Oh, Peyton. Peyton's Peyton was dark. slow as hell. Peyton Manning. It says Peyton Manning uh, is. That actually doesn't say. But I, I got mean, like Tom Brady's on mid-fives. here. Brady wasn't fast either. Brady wasn't fast. Brady was 5.28. All right, so you know what? We're going to pull up some, uh, I guess we can say, Why don't we just slower quarterbacks there 50 times, and we'll try to beat it through like, three legged like, race. Oh, that would be great. You could, we'll do it three legged, and we'll just do both of you guys just to see what Solos. you say. That's like a big thing that I always wanted to do. Like, I want to see Run? Reg- no, <laughs> regular people's <laughs> times. <laughs> Of different things, like, you know, against, like, Olympian times, athlete times. You know what we're doing? All that kind of stuff. I'm just curious, like, End where you fall. End the bench podcast combine. Oh, that would be pretty we might, cool. We might have to save until combine season. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, jeez, I want to pull a hamstring. Oh, my God. I, have, I played an alumni game last week. Last uh, week. I put a fat like, goose egg on the bench. <laughs> I got to hit the gym. Maybe we'll just stay on the bench where we belong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe. Boom. Maybe. Uh, All right, let's get back to the Saints. What were you talking about, Eli Apple? Oh, Eli Apple led the team nine tackles. No big deal. Little course, buck eye. Of course, get, of yeah, course, against, the Giants. of course, gets to the Giants, and then he, you know, of course, gets traded, and then he gets to play as well. Diggs had a freaking monster game, and a Thielen, who, I am, I'm so happy this guy just, you is just kicking ass every week. He's getting 100 yards receiving, and then six, seven, eight catches. But the Vikings are just not consistent on, on the defensive side, which is what they, why they got to the NFC Championship last year. Yep, it was all behind their defense. It just now they just look. They're just, Blech. yeah. I mean, me being like, living in Minnesota and like watching the first couple weeks, yep. Um, very frustrating crowd because they have this talent. I mean, Everson sure. Griffin's just coming back now after that, the mental issue he was going with. That yep. was that was weird. That, that, yeah, that was weird. Very uncomfortable. I mean, just even reading about it, but now he's supposedly he's healthy now and he'll be, uh, did he even play? Did he play this game? You know, this would be my hot take for the day. I don't think Kirk Cousins yet. has the juice. To win the the games, you don't think so? Not at all. I mean, he can't he can't even you know compete with the Saints towards the end of the game. And, and Breeze didn't even have that great of a game. I mean, he's very consistent with passing percentage, but yeah. he eighteen for twenty three, one hundred and twenty yards. Decent. That's yeah, kind of like, what you expect from like, Breeze. Nothing crazy. I mean, though. cousin. I mean, nothing crazy. He usually gets through three hundred, four hundred yards, but it's cousins that threw for almost four hundred yards. He did throw a lot, but I just. Obviously, he has that, like, what's that word? Like, that moxie and that leadership. Obviously, everyone knows that you like it clip from him. But, like, but, you, you, there, there's, a couple, there's a couple of clips of him where he's, like, the pregame. Like, he's, like, getting everybody amped. And I, I, get, I get fucking pumped. But you're right, though. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't I don't always, think he has it. It doesn't always transition to the yeah. field. Which is uh, what you need then. All right, but let's go to our, our last, our second to last game. We'll kind of wrap these up kind of quick here. Defending champs are now 4-4. Eagles versus Jaguars. This in gym, London. In I London. Lo- Ooh, I loved me some morning football. Waking up, woke up at like 8.30, hop in the hop tub for a little. Hey. Then, uh, you know, just chilling out, watching some football at 9.30 in the morning, making some pancakes, nothing better. The Jags' defense is kind of trash. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of pissed about it because watching the Jaguars last year, like try, trying to just get through the playoffs and actually, actually be like amazing. I mean, they had they had four sacks. Their line is still Saxonville, right? But their defensive backs just look horrible. Jalen Ramsey got burned at least twice, and he couldn't shut the hell up in the beginning of the season about all the quarterback he was going to face. And that's the problem. They let up twenty-two first downs. They let up almost four hundred yards total, passing and receiving. But Ramsey talks so much shit. Yep. And 
enough is translated. No, they're not backing it up. No. It, I know he's talking shit on himself, but that also then gets to the um, transitions over to the whole defense. Yeah. And, and also, Boros, Boros didn't have a terrible game. I mean, 24-41 is not great. His win streak in London was blown, though. He yes. was originally 3-0. But him getting benched last week. Yep. And for Cody Kessler. I'll give a dollar to anyone who can tell me what college Cody Kessler went to. Do you know? Yeah. I have no idea. Make a random guess. Let's hear it. North Carolina? LSU. USC. Oh, I was, oh, mis- I was, was actually, actually my first s- guess. I was thinking Fuck. about that, too. I don't know why I didn't say that. Damn. I'll be pulling out some random. Uh, <laughs> poor I guess. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, out some you know where I was college? Like Where'd you go? Carlin? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the game that should have been the Sunday night game. Packers this game, at L.A. That was awesome. I love. If you are a degenerate gambler, I really feel bad if you had this, if you you bet money on this game. Oh, there's nothing better than watching the Rams play home games at the Rose Bowl. Oh, it's there's awesome. like, And they had the throwback unis on, too. Oh, my God. Beautiful. We're but there's big, like 3 we, we billion like, people like in the stadium. We like our unis on this podcast. It's just classic college stadium. You, they shove as many people as they can fit 100,000 plus. It looks awesome. I mean, my girlfriend came into the room and she was like, where are they playing? Like, this, that doesn't look like <laughs> NFL stadium. I was like, nah, it's a college. She's like, oh, that's why there's so many damn people. I'm yeah. Like, look. It makes it cooler. Jared Goff, I love watching this kid play. He's yeah. so fucking good. Three touchdowns, three just about 300 yards passing. Gurley, unbelievable on the ground again. But, 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 the last run of the game, man, the last run of the game clearly could have been a touchdown. And he oh, he would have walked in. Walked in, and he just, look, if you really think about it, I don't know how much time was left, maybe like a minute plus. Super smart to do that. Oh, genius. It's like, I don't remember what year, but way, way back in the day, Brian Westbrook did the same thing. Yeah. Went right down to the one yard, just, boop, fell right on his Because if you give Aaron Rodgers, if you give Aaron Rodgers a minute 15, Way too much. Definitely, he'll make uh, he'll make a play and yeah, you see you, just the clutch Aaron Rodgers hitting passes going out of bounds and yep, and but for the the general gamblers out there, they're not too happy. Not at all. the The Rams were giving seven and a half, I believe, right? Yeah, and uh, they won by two. If Gurley would have scored with the extra point, that would have made it thirty six to twenty seven. That's nine points. Yeah, social media was blowing up, and then I think Gurley talked, like, sent a tweet, and he said, "What spread?" Yeah, what spread, and then the laughing, crying emoji, like, yeah. "Come on, man, Dude. you you know the spread, you, you know what the spread, you is. know the spread." And then he comes out, say, "Oh, I'm just happy we got the win." Dude, Come on, humble. bro, humble. People are pissed about that. Oh yeah, people are oh, super yeah. pissed. I mean, look, I'm not a gambler myself yet. We might have an uh, upcoming segment where we learn to get into gambling a little. Really. Yeah. Okay. New news to me, but I like it. Secrets. But luckily, we did not. Neither of us bet that game. No. And I usually try to stay out of the betting because, first of all, I just don't really have great luck with betting. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes I do. I'll just pick up, pick a team, whatever. But okay. this is uh, this was rough. This was definitely rough. But to keep it in the football area of, of a conversation here, Fitzmagic is back. Jameis Winston is such a bust. I mean, look, the Bucks drafted this guy first overall. Yeah. Help the Thinking he's going to be the savior. Absolutely. They haven't had a good quarterback since, like, Garcia. Oh, boy. That was years ago. 
right? That was a long time ago. But he threw four interceptions. They bench him. But we, we're going to go in-depth on his contract here. And Liam's got all the details. All right. So this year, earlier in April, the Bucks exercised Jameis's fifth-year option, which guarantees him 21 mil if he gets injured this season. It makes total sense why they're playing Fitzpatrick right now, and they plan to start him against the Panthers and just bench Jameis. Because if he gets hurt, why are you going to give an obvious bust 21 mil guaranteed for next season when you don't even know if he's going to be your quarterback? So I think they just slow play it, leave him on the bench, and then, you know, when it comes next year, they can just release him. He's not going to take the cap hit. They're not going to have to pay him the 21 mil guaranteed. And you know what? restart again because i don't think Dirk cutter is worried about winning or losing games right now i don't no. even think he knows what he's doing i think there. he just needs to get through the season i think he's getting fired at the end of the year yeah he's probably i mean i thought he was one of the names last year getting fired we all i think we both did but if you really think about it, like if the the bucks are hoping to god that fitz does not get hurt yeah because then if, if james has to go back in then oh, their upper management, GMs, all the people in the front office are cringing. They're freaking out that we have to pay this guy a boatload of money, and he's absolutely awful. I mean, he was, yeah. throwing, he was throwing, like, really bad passes. Like, he did a play action, and he passed to a linebacker, and there was nobody there. There was no Bucks receivers there to even remotely close. He's had a rough year, James. With yeah. The whole, with the whole incident at the beginning of the year. That That's... I don't even know with that incident going on how how the Bucks decided. Yeah, let's just give this guy twenty one mil guaranteed for his fifth year. Like, wouldn't you think like, yeah, let's hold it off. Like, it's looking like we're not gonna, you know, bring him on next year anyway. But let's just screw it. Let's yeah. give him twenty one mil guaranteed with all of this, you know, Uber stuff going on. And then now he just he's so off and on. It's honestly weird. But now to end our our first part of the show. Clay Thompson, the game just ended tonight. He absolutely went off. In three quarters, just like typical Warriors fashion. Yes. Was it 14 threes, 52 points? Yeah, he broke Steph Curry's three-point record, which was at 13. Put up 52, then got ran into by his own teammate. Busted his head open. You know, a little quick, just like hockey. Hop in the locker room, quick two stitches, right back on the bench. Headband on. He- yeah, headband on. He's not taped soft. up. He's, nah, not, he's soft. not soft. He's not soft. He's just a little weird, though. Eh, Clay. Everybody's You're weird. I think you're weird. Well, that's what facts. I'm Everyone's weird. Everybody's weird. <laughs> but the fact is, like, I'm pissed. Like, come on. Like, keep the guy out there. I want to see him put up 80. I want to see him put freaking 100 well, that, points. Yeah, what? They, they took him out. They took him out the third. Three the third and change in the third. Yep. Left in the third. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. Keep chucking up threes. That's what I mean, especially when he's hitting that, like, that crazy rate. Uh-huh. I don't know. But I look, it's that's the Warriors. Hey, I mean, it's working, right? Rest your players, and you win this many championships as they have. Yeah. All right, so that was our first part of the show. Our second part coming up is our interview with a buddy of ours, Jake Asman. He works for SB Nation in Houston. He has his own radio show for SB Nation. Also does some stuff for for ESPN covering Astros, Texans, and uh, and the Rockets. So fun interview coming up. That is brought to you by Nothing. Because we don't have any ads, but if you'd like to be on our show and we have like advertisements, we'd love that. So uh, <laughs> here comes our here's another our shameless plug. Big shameless plug, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's our interview with Jake Asman. All right, so our first guest from the end of the bench is 
Jake Asman. He's worked for ABC News, Fox News, Fox Sports, excuse me, NBC Sports. He's on the Olympics. He's done Ithaca Broadcasting. He's worked at ESPN. And now he – oh, and also – he was a sports on the go one anchor just like us, uh, host just like us. He worked at WFAN, and now he works at uh, Sports Nation. He's a host, and he does some work for uh, for ESPN. Was it ESPN 975? Jake, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Just to get started off real quick. Obviously, you're a noted Ithaca alum. You got myself and our producer, both from the Cortland alum. What uh, what do you think is going on? What do you think is going to happen with the 60th Cortica Chuck coming off this November? Well, that's a great question. If you had asked me this last year, what do I think is going to happen? I probably would have said <laughs> Cortland's going to win because they had won. I think it was what seven in a row, or even it might have been eight in a row. I don't remember going into the game last year. I got a chance to go to the game last year, so we're all kind of just. Thinking, all right, how do they think they're going to blow it this year? Because like the, the, the ways that they have blown these these Cortica Jug matchups has just been incredible. I mean, two of the games have ended on like last second, like dramatic, like box plays that made Sports Center. But last year, I think it really kicked ass, guys. I mean, I, the freshman quarterback at the time from Ithaca, kid named Waheed Nabi, threw a school record six touchdowns in the game, and Ithaca blew out Portland. It was unbelievable. And uh, this year, I think he's got a pretty good team again. So I don't know. I mean, if you, if, you know, logic would say, oh, Portland will bounce back, but I don't know. The Bombers look pretty good this year, so it should be another good game. All right. Yeah, I know. I'm pumped. I was there in 2016, and uh, it was a pretty crazy scene. I think it was in Portland that year. But uh, yeah, definitely should be a good game. I've always wanted to go to that. Uh, I've always want. I've always, you know, kind of the party atmosphere is the coolest part about it. Everyone's drinking all day, and then the game is either, either you're you're not coherent enough to go, or you go to the game, the game's always fun. But I think I'm going to have to either – are we to go this year? Are you going to go this year? When is it? It's on November 10th. Oh, no. I, oh, hmm. We work on it. We'll, we'll try to make that happen. All right, so let's, let's get started. So you've had, for such a young guy, you've done a ridiculous amount of stuff. Start out with – Honestly, talk about you doing your radio, your broadcasting, and then the Asmin Buick show in Ithaca. Because sure. the fact that the fact that you started out in college—I mean, I, did, I had a little radio show as well in college. How important is that for you, for you when you start out your career? Very important, and I'll tell you what—it even goes a little deeper than college. I, I was really fortunate. I went to Bassett High School on Long Island, and Bassett was one of—I think at the, at the time—I don't know if it's changed since I graduated. At the time, it was one of three uh, high schools on Long Island that had a high school radio station. So ever since I was in ninth grade, I had the opportunity to you know get on the air and host a talk show and do play-by-play for Sasset Braves, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse games. So I knew very early on, probably when I was like in sixth grade, that I was interested in broadcasting and it was something I wanted to pursue. And I had the opportunity as a ninth grader to start pursuing what I wanted to ultimately get a job in. So that really, I thought, was the start of, uh, you know, what kind of would, I don't know if it gave me a leg up, but what made me really discover the passion I had for it. And then getting a chance to go to Ithaca, what made Ithaca so much fun was for a smaller school, it did have a great communication school. And one of the incentives of going to Ithaca was the fact that because of the fact there's not as many students as, let's say, a Syracuse or another big time, you know, major communication school, you get opportunities to get on the air right away. You don't have to wait, you know, until you're a junior or senior. Uh, you don't really have to pay your dues, so to speak. 
you know, if, you, if you're passionate about getting on the air, you're serious about it, you could be a freshman and you can get opportunities right away. So, you know, going to Ithaca was a huge part of my radio career, my, you know, my media career, just because it gave me an opportunity uh, to get experience right away that made me realize, you know, this was definitely something I wanted to do. Going to Ithaca and knowing that Syracuse is the number one broadcast journalism school for sports and just journalism in general, and knowing how hard it is to get there, how how awesome does it feel that you did so well at Ithaca and now you have this job at SB Nation and you didn't have to pay the $60,000 a year to go to Syracuse and then and may not even have a job out of college or even a year out of college because – I mean, I know how hard it is. You know how hard it is to get a job out there. But how nice is that you got to really excel at Ithaca and uh, didn't have to go through the process of even getting into Syracuse, or maybe you did get into Syracuse. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I, I actually I got into Syracuse, and I was seriously considering going there. The issue was the price was way too much, and, and the financial aid package I was being offered from Syracuse, it wasn't as good as the financial aid package I was offered from Ithaca. And I knew Ithaca had a really good program, and I had a chance to actually tour the school when I was, you know, uh, when I, w- I used to go to a summer camp called Camp Tenementis. And one of the things that we did at the summer camp is the older, like the CITs and the super seniors, which is like the 15 and the 16-year-olds, every summer there'd be a college tour trip where you'd go and, and look at colleges for three days. And every other year, Ithaca, Syracuse, Binghamton, and Cornell – were part of this college tour. So when I was on this college tour, when I was a 16-year-old camper at Camp Canavensis, we looked at those four schools. And I remember going to Ithaca and saying, wow, like I never heard of Ithaca, but like I got to be honest, out of these four schools we looked at, it was Binghamton, Cornell, Syracuse, and of course Ithaca. I liked Ithaca the best. So I just always knew in the back of my mind, hey, I can a really nice school. This would be cool. And I had no idea I'd end up there, but I knew they had a good communication school. So when I applied, um, and I got in, and I seriously considered it. And then they gave a really good financial aid package. Ithaca, by the way, is now 60 grand a year. It's also a private school. But oh I, I, got very, I got very lucky with the, the financial aid. I wasn't paying, or not me, my family wasn't paying uh, the 60 grand. So uh, financially, it made sense to go. The communication school was something I was really intrigued by. And uh, it worked out. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad I made that decision. And I'm, I had a great four years, and I definitely have no regrets about how things unfolded. Doing the Asmund Buick show in Ithaca, and then you brought it to Sports on the Go One. The transition from doing it from college to bringing it to back to back home. First, talk about the transition bringing it down here, and also how did you guys form together this, this great relationship? I mean, I don't, I don't know uh, Dan Buick as much. I think I went about him a couple times. Me and Liam met a couple, couple times, but I can, I've just seen some social media. You guys. Are, like best friends it seems like and you guys are even keeping in touch now so talk about the relationship between you two and the, how the show even started and then bringing it back to Long Island sure so uh, I don't even know if you know this Taylor Dan and I went to high school together and you know so we've, we've been best friends since I was in eighth grade you know we had uh, all our classes together in eighth grade we didn't really know each other in sixth or seventh grade but eighth grade for whatever reason we had a very similar schedule. It just kind of just worked out that way. So we became really good friends in eighth grade. I mean, Dan's a Mets fan, but he's also a big Jets fan like I am. And, you know, we like the Knicks. We like the Islanders. So we, we rooted for pretty much all the same teams. And even though Dan was a Mets fan and I'm a Yankee fan, we always talked baseball. Dan 
religiously listens to sports talk radio just like I do. You know, I grew up listening to at WFAN and ESPN New York, and I they were, I mean, I've always knew I wanted to go into talk radio, and that was kind of similar to Dan. So we, we became friends right away, and then when we got to high school and South had the radio station, I mean, we basically started doing a variation of the Asman and Budic show when we were in high school, and we ended up, of course, both going to Ithaca for a similar reason, to communication school, and um, that's kind of where the show started, just the fact that we were friends. We both were interested in radio. We took it very seriously, even though it was a lot of fun. We treated it as if it was um, a job, even though we weren't being paid to do it, obviously, in college. And uh, it just it, one thing led to another, and then the opportunity with Sports on the Go came about, and we graduated from Ithaca, and it worked out, and we did the show for the last year before I moved down here. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That just seeing something, you know, go from eighth grade to, you know, a dream and then a reality, that's pretty cool. I guess that's kind of what we're hoping to do. But uh, we saw, you know, you worked at uh, WFAN. You said as a kid growing up, you listened to a lot of sports talk radio. Obviously, in New York, you really only have two choices, WFAN or ESPN. What was your go-to? I listened to both guys. Uh, that honestly is the real answer. I, I, I like specific shows. I, I didn't really have, like, an allegiance. Was station. It's funny, when I was working for WFAN part-time, um, and I was still with Sports on the Go 1, we were at the Super Bowl, and I was talking with Michael Kay, who does the afternoon drive show on the, yeah, the head of the station to the fan. And, you know, I was just telling him how, like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, I could be, you know, working at the fan or taking the subway in to go work a shift, and I'm listening to you guys as I'm on my way to go work for the <laughs> competitor to the competitor radio station. He thought that was funny. So, no, honestly, I, I just listen to shows. I listen to both stations. I try to be as informed as possible. Because when I was doing the show on Sports on the Go 1, we were doing basically a, a New York talk show. So you try to listen yeah. to other people, and you try to read everything, and um, you just try to be informed. And I enjoy it, honestly. I still listen to a lot of New York talk radio, even being down in Houston. And it's pretty cool to be in Houston because there's three sports talk stations out here, and I'm constantly listening to all three. So, I don't really have a, an allegiance to a station, so to speak. I just try to listen to what is entertaining and what I think is good radio. All right, I like that. For your experience at the fan and also the experience you're doing, you've done with the Asian View Show before you went up to Houston, you've had some pretty cool guests on your show. Talk to me about some of the cool guests you guys had at um, Asian View Show and then some cool people you've met at the fan. I mean, did you get to see the, the Pope himself? Mike, Mike Francesa, did you have to meet him? Or, I mean, I remember you had you had Joe Buck, if I'm not mistaken, on the Asin and Budic show. I thought that was, you know, that's an all-time highlight for me. I don't know about Liam, but for me, I mean, that's an all-timer for me. So talk about both those and, and what kind of experience that, that made for, for you and Dan. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as people I met at the fan, I mean, I met all the, the hosts that you, you hear all the time. I board up some of their shows. I mean, like I used to, I used to board up Evan Roberts' Saturday show. And like Evan, like my friends from home called me Evan Roberts because I'm a redhead just like him and I want to go on the sports talk radio. <laughs> so like, I, and I told Evan that and he thought it was hilarious that I was board hopping his show and I, and, or whatever. So uh, I met, I met all the guys that work at the fan. Um, I've had a bunch of them on the show. Bart Scott was one of the first guests I had on here on SB Nation radio. When I first moved down here, I you know, formed a relationship with him when I was in the building and, he was nice enough to take some time to come on. Um, I never really met Mike, though. That's the one guy I didn't met. So very funny. When I was hired at FAN to work part-time, it was December 15th, I think, was my first day. Mike had had – Mike did his final show at the time before he went on his four-month retirement. He did his uh, final show that earlier that day. 
and I was coming in at 7. Mike was off at 6.30 from his last show. So I only saw Mike as he was leaving the fan for the last time, and I was starting my career there as a part-timer. And then um, Mike came back, and at that point when Mike came back, I was only there for a couple more months before I left in July to take the job down here in Houston. That is uh, the fact that you were around him just gives me goosebumps. And, I mean, I, I mean, people want to know, but I just got the same job basically that you got, the paid, paid Bob board opposition. So I'm hopefully I get to to see him. I know he's not uh, – he's a very busy man, so he doesn't, like, he doesn't talk to many people. But if I ever have the opportunity just to, to see him in, in, in the same room, I think I'll uh, – I've lived. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it is funny that he's broadcasting from the Mike Francesa studio, and it's it's you know, and now he's back and you know on the plaque you'll see it when you go in there, Taylor. Like it, it literally says the date that he worked as a fan, like 1989 to 2017, and they got to update that plaque now. But he's back, and it looks like he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere for a long time. So you obviously were at Sports on the Go along with us, and then you got your job with SB Nation in Houston. How was your transition moving to Houston, and is there anything, you know, that's completely different than living in New York? Uh, it's a lot hotter here, so that, that was uh, <laughs> that was an adjustment. I mean, the, the first week I was here, I, I can't even describe the temperature. It was at one point, I remember, you know, it was it could be 9. I, I just remember looking at my phone one night, and I was outside. It was like 9.30 p.m. at night, and I looked at my phone. And I had to open up a weather channel app because I'm like, it is hot. Like, what is the temperature? It was 97 degrees at 9.30 p.m. I mean, the humidity here, just the, the heat, it was crazy. It was over 100 every day. I, I joked with my friends. I even said this on the air. I didn't even bother to check the weather down here over the summer. I just assumed it was 100 every day. Cause more times than not, it was a 101 or 102. So that was the, that was the biggest adjustment, honestly. But now, you know, it's kind of cold in New York, and, you know, I just – Went outside and I'm wearing shorts. It's 73 degrees here, so it's uh, oh it's God. nice. It's nice now to be able to be around the uh, the weather conditions. But over the summer, it was brutal. Um, but the biggest adjustment is just kind of just being on your own. Um, I I had been on my own before, but you know, if I you know did like an internship or was away at school, you kind of know a timeline of like, oh, you're here for X amount of time and then you come back. But the biggest adjustment is. You, know, you move down to a, you know, a city like Houston, being you know a native New Yorker, you don't know anyone. It's like you don't know when you're coming back to New York. You know, there's no like, oh, I'm here for a year and then I'm going back. It's like you know, I'm making a commitment to be here and to be here. So like, I don't know, you know, what my next move is. If that makes sense, you don't know what's coming next. So I guess that was the biggest adjustment. Just you're moving down here and you don't know how long if you're gonna like it. You just kind of just go with the flow and figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was with me when I went to Minnesota. I knew I was only going to be there for the season. Um, but I was, I got there. The only person I knew was my aunt. I didn't know anybody else. I didn't know. I didn't have any friends. You're, you're basically just starting over. It's like going to college again. You're, you're going to just reinvent yourself, have a new, you know, you're a new a new Jake or I'm a, I'm a new Taylor and just starting over. But that was the hardest part for me was trying to get used to the – to get used to how people lived in in Minnesota, and I'm sure it's just it took you a little while just to get kind of being a, a Houston native, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And like you went through it too, Taylor, just going to you know Minnesota and being with the Twins all season. It's definitely an adjustment. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I had it better than most. Though. Like I, I've always been able to kind of just go with the 
flow and, and meet new people. I mean, I said this earlier with a different question, but like I went to summer camp for 10 years, you know, seven of the camp for three and count six over summer. I was away from home and my home friends and my family for a week at a time. Um, you know, I, I did an internship in Brazil for six weeks during the Olympics in 2016. So, like, I've been away before, and, uh, you know, it's definitely an adjustment being in Houston, but it's not something that is as that you kind of it's not it's not hard to I guess get adjusted once you start really once you get here and then once you're kind of in the midst of doing your job there are some days where I'm so busy or there's some weeks that kind of just fly by because you're always doing something that you kind of blink and you go wow I've already been here you know since July and it's about to be November so like I think it's just you want to keep yourself busy and you just want to try and uh, have some fun when you're down here because you know, you know we work in sports it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, that's right. So let's get to sports, actually. There's been a lot going on with Houston sports recently. I want to talk about the whole, you know, Rockets-Lakers scenario, CP3 and Rondo going at each other. Do you have any inside, uh, inside takes or inside, I guess, information? What we're trying to say is if you have any breaking news or any <laughs> rumors, please tell us so I, so we can break it. Yeah, yeah, I wish. Uh, so I was trying to get some sources for you. I, well, I'll tell you what, you guys are, you guys are New Yorkers, and uh, you know, obviously I'm a Knicks fan. I, I saw Tobias Harris after the uh, the Rockets played the uh, the Clippers the other night. I was at the game, and I, I actually have interviewed Tobias a couple of times. His, his a really good home friend played in this basketball league where I used to do some uh, some media work for. So I met Tobias and interviewed him or whatever. So I went in the locker room to say hi to him. I was like, hey, Tobias, off the record, please sign with the Knicks. He's like, you're going to ask me this every time I see you? I go, come on now. You know I am. So I'm, I'm trying to get <laughs> Tobias to sign with the Knicks. But he's a free agent this offseason. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm doing my best there. But as far as, uh, like, Rocket scoops or Texan scoops, I don't really – I can't really help you there. But I will say, um, as far as the, the, the Lakers-Rockets, you know, spitgate thing, I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And the idea that Chris Paul got suspended for two games I thought was ridiculous. I mean, the guy's – like, Rondo spit in his face. What's he supposed to do? Just stand there and take it? I think I – think, CP acted how any of us would act if we were in that situation. So I didn't get Chris Paul being suspended there, but, you know, whatever, it's over with. And it's good for the NBA. I guess we're talking about games in October, which is not something we normally do. Yeah, it's just it's, having that drama early. And I'm sure covering it was even better because you had the next day when you were on the air. It must have been great. I mean, how long was that segment for you? It had to be like, what, half hour, 45 minutes, and you had people calling in. They're, they're – they're bitching and moaning about, why is CP3 getting, you know, he got fined. What, $500,000? It's like, and he didn't do anything. I mean, they had yeah. Himself. yeah, he punched in the face, but, I mean, look, if you, Jake, if you guys spit on, what, what are you to let me there to take it? No. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny. So, uh, down here, I report for ESPN 97.5. We'll get audio, do some social media stuff for them, for the team. I host nationally, but that became a national story because I'm on ESPN Asian Radio, and that's something that, yeah, from a national perspective, everyone's talking about. So I ended up uh, getting a chance to talk about it from a national perspective, too. But all the Rockets fans down here and all the people that yeah, cover the Rockets and Houston media, I mean, that was that was a big deal for a couple of days down here. It certainly was. Oh, I'm sure. Now, talking about the, the Texans, we'll get into the Astros in a second, but the Texans, they're finally starting to click. The defense is finally starting to click. I mean, they just, just barely beat, you know, Brock Daddy and, and the and the and the Dolphins on last Thursday, but the 
the fact that they're starting to click, they took a little long. They lost to the Giants in the first couple of weeks of the season. Watson's starting to play well. I mean, Hopkins, it looks like every single week he's having two or three one-handed catches. I mean, that one-handed catch he did on Thursday night was maybe the best catch I've ever seen. Like, up, up looked like Odell level of one-handed catches. But how awesome has it been to be in the same – like, you're, you're talking to Watt and talking to Watson and, and, and Bill O'Brien as well. It's been really cool. You know, I've always wanted to cover a team. When I was at Ithaca, we, we covered the Ithaca Bombers as if they were an NFL team. I mean, you know, with the with the access we got. But, like, you didn't really get a chance to cover a real team. I think it was D3. Cornell was in the same city, so we did a little, like, Cornell hockey was a big deal. But, you know, even when I was with the fan or I was at home, I wasn't really covering a team. So getting a chance to actually, like, be in an NFL locker room every day, you know, attend press conferences, go to games, and kind of just see how things are, are, are done in the media perspective. Um, it's been really cool. I've enjoyed it a lot, just getting a chance to, like, talk to different players every day. And you kind of you hear things that, uh, you know, maybe the public doesn't know about a certain guy. You know, when, I'll give you guys an example. When Brock Osweiler was in town for that Thursday night game, there were some things that we were told about what Brock was like as a teammate with guys in the locker room. There was a funny story that someone told me that, you know, Brock, used to take, like, the offensive linemen out to dinner, but he didn't want to hang out with them. He just felt like the need to take them out. So he would he would bring them out to dinner and just leave his card with, like, whoever was in charge of, like, the, what a weirdo. the restaurant. Oh my God. And just have them just buy and just be like, oh, yeah, charge to my card, guys. And then they would, he would just, like, leave because he didn't want to be around anyone. He, what so a like, weirdo. Hear, yeah. So you hear things like that when you're around the team. But it's, it's really cool. I've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it helps when the Texans are winning. I mean, when they were 0-3 and, and it looked like their season was over, they, you, you mentioned they lost to the Giants. I mean, it was terrible. It's like they're 0-3. Statistically, there's a 2% chance they're going to make the playoffs once you start 0-3. But somehow, someway, they've won five in a row. And that Thursday night game was the best game they had played all year. And we'll see. They only got one team in their, on their schedule with a winning record remaining. That's the Redskins in two weeks. Other than that, ton of winnable games. All their divisional games are, are at home. So they got three more of those, and we'll see. I mean, this team, I think, I think is going to win that division just based on the fact that the rest of the division is a dumpster fire right now. So we'll see. Well, it really it's been, is. It's, it's definitely been fun. Yeah, it's, it's a shock that Jacksonville is playing so poorly. I mean, last year they strictly made the playoffs on Jacksonville's defense, and their defense is is very. Very bad as of right now. Ramsey's always short. Yeah, they're getting torn apart. But the the thing I'm gonna ask you is, they're five and three. Their second the second place team in that division is the is the Titans at three and four. Like you just said before, you think they're a clear cut to win the division. And then what about going to the playoffs in the in the in the AFC? It remains to be seen. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I think they're gonna win the division just based on the fact that they. They, they just, to me, right now, they're the most complete team. I think out of the teams that are in it, they have the best quarterback. Now, you could say Luck, maybe you would rather have him than Watson, but I don't think the Colts is a serious contender. So out of Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, and Deshaun Watson, Watson is significantly better than the other two guys. You look at the Texans' defense, J.J. Watts back to playing like, you know, the defensive player of the year once again, which has been amazing to watch. Devian Clowney is trying to get a new contract, and he's been having a great year. Tyron Matthew has been unbelievable in their secondary. Kareem Jackson's had a Pro Bowl type of year at the safety spot, and he can play corner for them. He does everything. They just they have a, uh, a solid nucleus, and despite the fact their offensive line leaves a lot to be desired, it has been improving the last two weeks. So I think as long as Watson is healthy and they protect him, they should win that division. And then 
you know what? You win the division, you get a home playoff game in the uh, the wild card round. You know why not? Why not the Houston Texans? You never know. So I think they're a dangerous team. I don't think they're as good as let's say New England or Kansas City, but you know, I think you can make a case they might be or the third or fourth best team in the AFC, and it's the playoffs. So you never know. So I think they do have a chance, and uh, it will be fun. We'll see what they can do. Watching Deshaun Watson though, every week has been fun because he's, he's he's healthy finally, and you can just see the the potential he has. He's going to be a star in this league for years. Yeah, you've seen the change of him from last year in the Thursday night football game. And he's been really awesome. If you go back to what you were saying about uh, Watson over Luck, I would definitely take Watson over Luck any day because I want my quarterback to be able to throw it over Luck here. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice as well. I, I, I agree with you there. What what was it like seeing Brian Whedon get one snap on Thursday night? It was incredible. I mean, we all were just standing up in the press box and – yeah, we were trying to document it with our phones and say we were here the night Brandon Whedon took a snap at the end of the game. I mean, it was it was incredible. I mean, what an unbelievable moment. And Brandon Whedon, I'll tell you what, Brandon Whedon, that man has found a way to have a nice career in the league. He's never going to be a starter, but he's made a lot of money, and the guy gets to just stand on the sidelines and hold a clipboard. He has mastered the art of staying around for a long time. I bet you Brandon Whedon will be the next Josh McCown a backup quarterback. The guy just knows how to just stick around for a very long time. He's beloved and by everyone is, in the locker room, and he'll make a lot of money. McGowan's, like, Josh McCowan's, like, a lot, I think a lot better than Brendan Whedon. Brendan Whedon kind of reminds me of, like, Mike Leonard. He just keeps getting contracts, keeps, you know, living, having that NFL career go on, but he's just doing a lot of chilling. And also, like, Whedon was, like, what was he, like, 25 when he was still in college? He was a vet. Yeah, he was a respected vet. He, exactly. I mean, he, he was taken to the first round. The guy was like, I think he was like 28 when he got drafted or 29. Yeah, he was old. <laughs> and and old the like, classic Browns taking him through. I mean, it really is amazing. Know. And the Texans, by the way, they uh, they tried out today uh, Brogan Roback, the hard knock. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Um, so yeah, you we might have a new quarterback on the depth chart here. That'd be oh, exciting. Really right now it's Joe Webb is the third string, but uh, who knows? Maybe you got to get the Roback, man. Watching him on – watching my hard knocks – like, just talk to the camera. Hey, oh, look, girlfriend's very attractive, but their combined IQ is probably, like, a solid, like, 48. You know, it's like they're both stupid. But the thing, but the thing is, like, like he was – he had one shining moment until that touchdown in that – what was the preseason game number four yeah. in Hard Knocks. And you were – I was rooting for him. They always do this to us. Hard Knocks always does it. They get the backup quarterback that trying to – an undrafted guy who's trying to make it and – we all love him because he either looks like an idiot, sounds like an idiot, or he's just funny as hell. And he looks straight lax, bro. Absolutely. Like lax, bro. All right, Jason, before we end this, we're just going to wrap up a little baseball, little Astros talk. And then we'll get into some World Series. But the Astros covering the Strohs, you, 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 like you came into an unreal sports town. All three teams are, are either the best team in their division or the best team in their sport. Or they're even, or they're, or they're trying to get content like the Texans are. But the the, Ash, the Astros, they're any more chance, and now they're going through the playoffs. What was your experience like covering them, and then being in a playoff atmosphere? Which, of course, I was super jealous about being working for the Twins. Did they have a subpar year? Absolutely. Injuries, not a lot of great talent, future talent. But working for the Astros, how awesome is that? It was pretty cool, and 
Yeah, I really didn't get a chance to like be around them all too much because like my my main responsibility is is with SB Nation and my and with covering the Texans day to day. But I did get a chance to go to the Astros playoff games and Minute Maid, all, all the home games, and it was really fun, man. I mean, obviously they got a great team. I I, I thought they were really going to dominate the Red Sox. Like I'm shocked how that series unfolded, and like I, every time I picked against the Red Sox, I just I I couldn't believe they just kept on winning and. Yeah, they were clearly ended up being the best team in baseball. They won 108 games, and everyone doubted them, and they ended up winning the whole thing, which sucks as a Yankee fan. But I really thought the Astros were going to beat them. I picked the Astros to win that series in five, and it was a red shot to one of five. But, yeah, I mean, the Astros will be back. They're loaded. I mean, they're as talented as any team. I mean, Bregman played like an MVP candidate this year. Altuve, George Springer. I mean, they got so many guys. Verlander still looks like a Cy Young type of pitcher. I mean, We'll be back. It's tough to win back-to-back. And, you know, this city loves the Astros, though. I think that was, like, something I really learned right away when I first got here. You know, the Astros are absolutely beloved in this town. And I understand because they just won the World Series. They were the defending champs. But, like, everywhere you go, you see just as many Astro hats here in Houston as you would see, like, Yankee hats walking around, like, New York City. Like, it is crazy to see the uh, city's love of the Houston Astros. There's a real connection between the team and the city here. And that was pretty cool to be a part of. When they lost to the Red Sox, what was it? What made? What was the difference between both teams? I know both teams, Red Sox, 100, 108 wins, and I think the Astros 103. Correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. they were equally. The talent was almost equal. They had both. Both were very good in pitching. Both had amazing lineups. But what was the? What did the Astros not have? I think it was a couple of things. One, I just think Boston was just the team this year, right? I mean, every time they needed a big hit, they got the big hit. I mean, what they did with two, with two outs was amazing. I mean, if you look at the game, I think it was, what was it? It was game four where Ben Nintendi makes that unbelievable play to rob Bregman of what would have been either the game tying or if the ball gets behind him, the game winning hit. I mean, when they needed a play on offense or defensively, Boston made the play. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, the, the Red Sox bullpen, which was supposed to be a major weakness, Alex Cora did such a nice job of utilizing his starters as relievers out of that pen. And the Boston relievers, while we thought there would be issues, they all pitched well when they had to. They were shaky against the Yankees early, and then they figured it out. They, against the Astros, they, 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 it was never even like, wow, the Red Sox bullpen is terrible. It didn't matter. I mean, the Red Sox bullpen, which we thought would be a major weakness, ended up being a strength for them. And, you know, it goes back to what I was just saying. They got every big hit. And you want to know how you know it was the Red Sox year? Because in an elimination game, Justin Verlander has his, – I don't have him in front of me, but his numbers in elimination games are as good as anyone in the history of baseball. And he was outpitched in an, in an elimination game by freaking David Price. So that's all you need to know that it was Boston's year when that guy of all pitchers is going to outpitch one of the best posters and pitchers of all time. I mean, Price and Price absolutely killed in the World Series. He, uh, if, if Pierce didn't have those two home runs in, the, in Game Five, I think Price was your MVP. I agree. I really thought you could have made them co-MVPs. I mean, listen, David Price, for all the criticism he faced, I mean, he's never going to have to buy a drink in Boston again. I mean, the guy—it really is amazing to think that he that he was able to have the type of postseason that he had. I mean, it's mind-boggling. And yet, you have a guy like Clayton Kershaw that. For all his issues in the postseason, he's still up and down, up and down, and 
he was bad in both these in both of his two World Series starts, and that's something that's going to stay with him, I'm sure, for a long time. I think Ian Kinsler's a guy who needs to watch out, though. That guy, if if they ended up losing this World Series, Kinsler is the new Bill Buckner. Yeah, he would uh, he would have a tough time uh, walking around Boston for sure. But you know what the thing is, the minute that Boston was able to come back down four nothing in 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 Game Four, I I just think we all knew it was over. I mean, I, I thought Dave Roberts really did a bad job managing his team during during this series. And you know what, the Dodgers they they, they had opportunities despite the fact it was a five game series. I mean, Jansen, how many times is that going to blow it in a big game? He did the same thing against the Astros last year in the World Series. And you look at Ryan Matson, every time the guy came in, all the inherited runners scored. I mean, there were opportunities. I, I don't understand how that guy was. Me and Lee were talking about it, like when he first started blowing early in the postseason, but he was awful. Or then the World Series, how is Robert still putting him in? I don't know. Like, you, you have all the guys, uh, Urias and, and, and Baez, and you can you can put all these, everybody else in. You can put in freaking Kiki Hernandez in the pitch. He, he's done it before, but. Having Matson, I know the guys had postseason experience, World Series winning experience for the Phillies back in 08, but he did not look good every time. No, not at all. All right, so, Jake, one last question for you. Uh, we were kind of already, you know, hashed on this a little, but we asked all of our broadcasters, anyone in sports media, this question. Joe Buck or not? Oh, I love Joe Buck. Joe Buck is the best. He gets – he gets – he, 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 I don't. I don't think it's as bad as he used to be because I think Joe has done a really nice job the last few years and kind of putting himself out there and like showcasing his personality that he's hilarious and he's a genuine dude. But I, the criticism that Joe Buck gets from some people, I'll never understand it. There's probably not a broadcaster out there that's better at calling the big moments than Joe Buck. And what Joe Buck does, I think, better than anyone is he never makes the game about himself. He makes a big call, and then he stays silent. I mean, listen to his calls in any dramatic moment. He makes the call. It's clear, concise, and that's it. He lays out. I just think he's as solid as any broadcaster. And you look at what he did this World Series. He did game one on Tuesday, game two on Wednesday. He did the Texans-Dolphins game on Thursday. His flight was delayed leaving Houston. He didn't get to L.A. until 2.30 in the morning, Friday morning. And then he did an 18-inning baseball game in game three. Called game four, then called game five. I mean, the guy did five games in five days in two different sports. That is what you call a gamer. Yeah. That is a veteran gamer. He's not bitching about sleep. You, you don't even notice. If, if nobody said anything about that, I saw that tweet. The fact that he did all that in a couple of days is unreal. And that 18 game must have killed him. Absolutely, most emotionally and physically drained him. Yeah, he still had all the energy though. I know. Oh, me, I was, I was out by like the fifteenth inning. I watched the, I watched the entire game. I was, I like, I was like, I don't know how he's doing this, man. This is stupid. Because you know, you get to the ballpark a lot earlier than than you know fans do. You have to be there three, four hours early. So. Yeah, for sure. He, he, I think he's as good as anyone, and he's also a really nice guy. Like, I'm definitely biased on this because I met him, and he, and. You know, when I was in college, he, he made time to come on a college kids radio show, which he didn't have to do, to do you know, wow. a couple of days before the Super Bowl. And, and he he's as genuine of a person as anyone I've met. If, I really would recommend reading his book. His book that he put out last year is awesome. So many funny I stories. It. I haven't read it yet. I've yeah, I mean, I, I haven't read it. I think it's called Lucky Bastard. It's, it's as good as any book I've read. I don't read a lot of books. I just I'm not a reader. I'm more of a uh, I'm more of a listener. 
Right. And a talker. Uh, and a talker. I'm yeah. a talker, exactly. Like I'd rather I'd rather listen to a podcast or listen to a radio show than read a book. But the few books I have read, that was one of them and it was as good as any book I've ever read. You know what, Jake, we hope you're the next Joe Buck because oh, you're a stand up dude. We really appreciate you coming on and um don't be a stranger because we might want to have you come on and talk some more drama about the Rockets and other Houston sports, right? It sounds good, Taylor. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, the Yankees, they, they make some noise this offseason. Very important. I'm, I'm already uh, waiting, to, waiting to see. I'm, I'm already uh, pretty excited to see what Cashman does because they got to respond after the Red Sox win a championship, of course. I know. They need to make some, make some moves. But, all right, Jake, thank you for coming on. We will talk to you soon. All right, thanks for Jake Asman coming on the show. That was a good interview, right? Yeah, that was awesome. All right, you know what? He's a good dude, and uh, hopefully he said he would come back. A recurring guest. Be cool. All right, so let's get... Bombers suck. <laughs> mm, I'm sure you're not going to like that one. All right, let's talk with uh, some cool, funny segments we actually just thought about on the spot. And this first one is called Stats with Stone. Stat real Stats with Stone. So Stone... Hey, you struggling over uh, there? A little bit. It's a little Couple, bit too many S's for you? I know. What's our stats? What's our stats? Though? All right, so uh, a stat <laughs> of the day is um, Kansas City Chiefs have won all eight coin tosses this season. That, see, like, that's, that's a weird shit. That's a weird stat. And If I was a mathematician, I could whip you up. Like, the percentages on that? Just don't hurt yourself. But, yeah, we're not you think that's harder that. than winning eight NFL games? No. No? What's the... Can you even like figure that out? Like before a game, what's the percentage? Or does that just bring you into like betting? I ain't got that. Yeah, that's betting. Yeah, I, that's I can't all do betting, that, right? What I do know, why they're winning all these coin tosses. Andy Reid knows his way around some coins. <laughs> Probably using that a lot of betting machines. Dude, he's a big fellow. The there's like stories of him just like going out to a steakhouse and he eats like two porterhouse steaks to himself. Well, I'm not surprised. You see, like going with food, this is like totally off topic. But Post Malone was Postmates' number one customer this he year. What forty k? It was forty thousand dollars he spent Dude. in Postmates. All right, someone teach Andy Reid how to use a cell phone. He'll double that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you ever see the photo? There's a photo. I, I'll text it to you. I'll put it on. We'll put it on social media. Whatever. There's a photo of Andy Reid holding like a play, like a like a one of those laminated play sheets. Yeah, yeah. And then the bottom photo is a diner menu. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, no. That's horrible. Not funny. They did them dirty. They did them dirty on that. But that's – so stats with Stone, I like that. So if, if Stone could come up with a stat like this yeah, that's every show or stat. every Monday. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. So our next one, top performer, we did this with our last show. Yep. My top performer from that, from last weekend was Oklahoma State head coach, football coach, Mike Gundy. They beat Texas. Thank you for that. But the guy said a some pretty funny words. Twitter was going crazy about the whole ordeal, and he doesn't give two shits about it. But we'll we'll, we'll play that clip right now. Criticism where? From where? From where? Twitter, radio. Yeah. Oh, I give a rat's ass about Twitter. It's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. And, uh, you know, Gundy, he's just like, the fact that he could just say that, and he's such an old school coach. And, you know, that remember that rant, I'm a man, I'm 40. Oh, yeah. And now this, and he's, and he still has kind of like a tiny ball <laughs> right now. But yeah, oh, he's still rocking that that, ball. That's sure. my guy for this week. All right, my top performer for this week, actually from tonight, got Clay Thompson, 
We already talked about him a little yeah. in the beginning of the show, but put up 52 points in 27 minutes. Went 14 from 24 from the three-point range, and the Warriors just came in hot, put up 92 in the first quarter, finished with 149, beating the Bulls, who had 124. I really want – I already talked about this before, but I really want to reiterate, like, the fans – if fans are seeing a freaking blowout – and look, they were yep. in Chicago, so all yep. the Bulls fans – they already know they're going to have a rough year already. Oh, yeah. But if, if you're a Bulls fan, if you're seeing Clay Thompson, he's racking up points like this. I want him to fucking stay in the game, right? Oh, hell yeah, of course. But Kerr's doing it because he doesn't want his players to get hurt or just, it's nonsense. It works. I mean, would you want to see that stuff? I, man, yeah. I was like, why did he get taken? I would, I looked over to you guys and go, there's three and change left. I know we talked about this before, but there's three and change left on the clock. Run up the score. That's what I want to see. Who gives a shit? They're That's what winning. I'm saying. I mean, yeah, then you go into injuries like you are saying, but. Remember last year he scored 37 in one quarter? Yep. How awesome was that? Give him, give him the fourth quarter and let him take 12 shots. Yeah, he, should, he literally should just be. You should hand the ball to Clay and let him chuck threes from the entire the if rest he of the put game. Up another twenty, easy, at least. Right? At least. I'm twenty's a lot, but eh, I think he could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> could have done it. Absolutely, yeah. get fouled, drive in a couple in the lane. Exactly. Just exactly. Be probably pretty sick. All right, our next segment we're calling it "Looking for a Bookie." This is fire. I None of this. us have, uh, you know, actually. Place bets with a bookie, really bet in general. Like I, I did in I, Vegas. I know bookies. I do know bookies. Hey, Taylor knows some bookies. So if this segment goes well, looking for a bookie, maybe we'll hit up one of Taylor's bookies and try to make some money, you know, under the table. Yes. So we're picking three different games: one spread, one over/under, and one money line for this weekend. We're probably going to try to stick to football because it seems like it's the easiest to bet on, but we'll we'll branch out eventually. Put some basketball in there. Yeah. Our spread game we're picking for this week. Going to make it. some noise with this. Let me hear it. LSU over Alabama. Alabama's giving LSU 14 points. I'm taking LSU. Can you explain more about that? So, right when the game starts, Alabama is losing 14-0. Oh, I know I know how this thing works, but, but LSU is one of their best players and is going to be in playing for the first quarter. It's all right. 14 points, two Why isn't pass. he playing for the first he got, quarter? He got, uh, I think it was like a uh, striking penalty, which was not even yeah, close. Yeah, Shouldn't yeah. Have been so they give like out quarter-wise penalties? Targeting. Targeting. Striking. striking, yeah. Targeting. USC, striking. <gasps> no, no way. So he can't play the first quarter? Yeah, he got, yeah, he got yeah, And NCAA will give out crazy-ass suspensions like that. Like John Menzel got suspended for one half for signing autographs and profiting off of One half of one game. Correct. Or one quarter. One game, one half, no, one game. First and second quarter, so like the first. No, half. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he said it was crazy stuff. So yeah, you get seven minutes of the first quarter. You're not allowed to play. <laughs> Imagine that. That's common. Eventually, <laughs> right? They'll no. find a way to do that. Twenty eighteen. Like the whole. I mean, like the NFL's got their own shit to deal with. Oh yeah. But like this, this play. If you go look it up, it was terrible. It wasn't even. It wasn't even a. I can't look at this. What was the? What was? What was it? Was it targeting? Targeting. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't a good call. All right, All right, so, what's our next so our next one for over-under, we have the Chiefs at the Browns. Really good team against a really bad team. I am going Over-under is 52. We're going with the under? I'm going under. All right, we're shooting the under. Because I think the Rams, well, not Rams, the Chiefs will will score a ton of points. I and the, I, This is Greg Williams' first game at home. I feel like there's going to be so much pressure to come out with a W. And, of course, the Versa were probably, arguably, the best team in the NFL. And the defense hasn't been playing fantastic lately with the Browns, uh, the Browns, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think big Chiefs guy over here, you fantasy wise. Oh yeah, fantasy wise, got Patty Mahomes over there. But I think I, I think it's clear cut that I think this should be a major blowout. I think it just be. I'll, I'm gonna take the under though. Okay, I like that. 
And then our last one, we're going to go with the money line, minus 110. We're taking Western Michigan over Ohio University. Not Ohio State. I don't pick against Ohio State. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that Can you explain that to me a little bit, though? What's money line? Well, uh, uh, Stone's a little confused with all the gambling. I mean, I think I'm confused sometimes, we're ca- we'll, we'll catch us up, our producer up, our fans up. Yeah. So, you want to explain to us? Um, all right. So, money line, it's minus 110. So, for every 100 you bet, you get 110 back if you win. So, in order to win $110, you have to bet 100 bucks. Uh, who do you have to bet on? Western Michigan is minus 110. Oh, Western Michigan is minus 110. Exactly. So oh. we're going with Western Michigan. I said that right, right? Okay. On my line. Yeah, you said that okay. right. All right. So last thing, last thing I need is to say it wrong. I know we're doing a sports podcast. And it's like, ah, <laughs> those assholes don't know what they're fucking talking about. Exactly. All right. We're, so just to overview, review, overview. Review. Review. Just to let, review. Just let everybody know it's 1.30 in the morning. We're really tired. You can't let them know that, though. We're giving right. out quality performance at all times. It's all right. Facts. Big facts. All right. We're taking LSU with the 14 points over Bama. We're taking the under of 52 Chiefs at Browns. And we're taking Western Michigan against Ohio on the money line, minus 110. I really, really hope these fa- these go to like, in our favor. I hope they, they work out. So people will start listening. And it's like, you know what? The, the the bench gang guys they they except the kid behind the camera <laughs> except for the kid yeah, no I do so no I idea. keep my money <laughs> they, they start coming I was like you know what let's listen to these guys they they know what they're fucking talking that'd be pretty about. even cool. if we suck they listen and then fade us yes and they yes, you know what they know don't do it don't the bench do guys whatever do. they say don't do it we'll yeah. find out you'll find out by listening I'm gonna say something right now so I, a bunch of my buddies on my fantasy league and they're also my teammates so there was a good stretch I guess where I didn't really do great with like picking games. Okay. So my buddies would, they're all the, the general gamblers, and they would call me up. That's and mean. It's true. Oh, all right. All right. Valid. <laughs> Valid. So they would call me up and say, like, ask me for a game. Okay. And I would pick a team, and they would automatically go with the other team. Go right away. How'd that go? Did they win anything off you? Um, sometimes they would win, and recently I've been doing a pretty good ah. with picking teams. But Fade Taylor. Yeah. Just Maybe you probably just fade me. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how our picks go. But our last segment for tonight is something we are also brought back from the old show. It's happy birthday. Happy birthday to Hall of Famer, legend, Cy Young Award winner, Bob Feller. He is a you know won the World Series in 1948. ERA title, triple crown winner in pitching, eight-time All-Star. The guy was throwing 100 miles an hour for an, an era in the, ni- in the 1930s and 40s. said he was 17, right? 17 when he first started in 1936. Wow. Yeah, so he, this guy, this is a true hero here. So he started in 1936 at 17. Then in 1941 at 22. was his last season. Then he had to go to into the war from 42 to 44, three years off. Prime time, those are 23 to 25. That's great mm-hmm. years for your baseball career. Mm-hmm. When he comes back, absolutely shoves from 1945 to 1955. Retires, has, uh, you know, what is it? how many strikeouts did he end up having? Let's see. A ton. A ton. I can't even find A it. A little more than a few. He had 2,500 strikeouts, Cy Young Award winner. He is a uh, RIP, Bob Feller, but. RIP. Happy birthday, Bob Feller. Happy he birthday, He also collected Bob. a lot of tractors, so that's cool. He what? What? Collected a lot of tractors. A lot of tractors? tractors. Big tractor guy? Big tractor like guy. Bob American Collar. Pickers? Yes. Like those ki- like exactly. old I, kind of I stuff? I collect baseball cards when I was younger, so this guy collected tractors. When he was older. When he was older. What are you going to collect when you get older? Hopefully money. Just like, wow. just consume a ton of money. Wow. That's hopefully it. That's facts right there. But tractors. All right. 
All right, have it with you, Bob Feller. All right, so that's our that's our first show. Yeah, pretty good. Next episode will come on Friday. Hopefully, we'll get a guest. Now, just let everybody know, we're hopefully going to have a guest for every show. We're working on it. We're working on it. It's tough being a new podcast and trying to get some writers and, and athletes here and there, but we are working on it day and night in between both shows. All three of us are trying to reach out mm-hmm, to people, but mm-hmm. we will give you shows on Tuesdays and Fridays. Check iTunes. Any last words? Nope. Nope. You Stone? What's poppin' Instagram? All right. What's poppin' Instagram? All right. We will see you guys on Friday. Put the fucking mic on. Mic is on. Mic is on.